came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction I just sense that the Lord wants to demonstrate that his gospel is not a gospel of word of only word but of power of the Holy Spirit and of full conviction. God, I ask right now, would your presence in this room, would your gospel not be quarter conviction or half conviction or three quarters conviction? God, I pray a gospel of full conviction. Of full conviction. Listen, I don't, I don't think the Lord has a, a long teaching today he's last five or six weeks he's given very specific words that he's wanted shared but I feel like he's wanting a couple things one there's a verse where it says I believe but help my unbelief that two things can be true that we can have belief we can have faith but yet we need help in the areas we don't I've heard it's likened to a garden that has bearing good fruit, but it also has weeds that need to be pulled out so that more can grow. Father, I just pray right now that today is a day that we believe, but would you help our unbelief? Would you help our unbelief? We look to even just Matthew 1, 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. just feel like the Lord wants us to sit on the fact that Mary's yes meant bearing complete and utter shame in the minds of men and women. A young teenage girl seemingly unfaithful to the one that she was bound to be married to. 
an act that could go as far as even death as a punishment. Complete and utter shame of her family in a culture that had everything to do with honor. And her yes meant bearing that shame. And Joseph, the same thing. Joseph could have thrown her out and said she was unfaithful. She broke the contract. But instead, he took her as his wife, bearing the shame of the rumors that he himself conceived the child before the proper day, losing money from the bridal contract, losing honor in the place of society. His yes was a costly yes. And yet, just to make no mistake about whose child this was, he knew her not until the moment of the birth. So that he just as in the beginning of the chapter, could have his lineage. (laughs) This is so crazy. His lineage. The child didn't come through the seed of Joseph, but yet it's his lineage that's counted to Jesus as the royal priesthood and a kingly lineage because Joseph chose to adopt Jesus as his own. And that's the story of the gospel. Joseph's yes, bearing the shame that came with it, adopted Jesus as his own so that Jesus' inheritance was a royal inheritance, so that Jesus' inheritance was a priestly inheritance. And then Jesus, his son, the son of God, came as a man And a king should come through a story of proclamation and palaces and celebrations. And our king came in a stable. A stable that was soiled from the animals. He came through a lineage that had four prostitutes referenced in the genealogy. Women were not mentioned in genealogies. Genealogies told the story of the person. And for women, there was a prostitute. There was a woman who tricked her husband-in-law as pretending to be a prostitute. There was a woman who slept with King David outside of marriage. There's Ruth, who sat at the feet of Boaz. And the story is so clear. The Lord says, I take those who are outcasts. And all I'm asking for is a yes, just like Rahab. They could have mentioned any women in this lineage. They could have mentioned Rebecca, Leah, Rachel, women of high faith. And they reference these women who are the outcasts of society. Because Rahab gave the Lord, Rahab the prostitute gave the Lord her yes. 
And she had such high faith that it didn't matter what she'd done before. All four of these women were Gentiles. Gentiles in a genealogy that was supposed to be an Israelite king's royal genealogy. And four Gentile women are referenced because they were adopted into the, into the royal line. And Joseph adopts Jesus into a royal line. And Jesus takes on the shame of being born into a stable and not a palace to teenage parents who were known as those who were unfaithful to their marriage covenant. And this is the story of our king. This is the story. This is the lineage of our king that's told. And he bore that shame. And Joseph bore that shame. And Mary bore that shame because they had an encounter with the living God. And they knew. They knew that their yes to Jesus meant way more than the opinions of man. That they respected and feared God's approval more than any man could put upon them because they knew a living God. And Jesus feared the opinion of the Lord more than any other man, even to the point of death, for him to be hung up on a cross, naked, shamed, beaten. His story is a story of shame in the eyes of man so that we can be adopted into his story. Just as Jesus adopted, was adopted into the lineage of Joseph, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus means that we are now able to be partakers of a royal lineage. And it doesn't matter, Jew, Gentile, where you've been, what you've done, but the Lord honors faith, and faith is a yes. Faith is a yes that doesn't care what everybody else thinks. Faith is a yes. And frankly, I feel like the Lord is challenging us in here that we fear man more than God. There's a verse in the Gospels that said, how can you fear those that can't put you to death or those that can put you to death but can't touch your soul when you're the one who can put your soul to shame and eternal fire is the one we should be fearing. And we fear man. First Thessalonians 2 says, For our appeal does not come from error or impurity or any attempt to, be to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God, to be entrusted with the gospel. So we speak, not to please man. We never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is a witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others. We could have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were, among, we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children.
I hear the Lord saying, will you die to your reputation today? Will you die to your reputation? Would we not just have another Christmas where we sing some good songs and we talk about the birth of Jesus? Would we recognize that it was a death to the reputation of so many involved so that we could be bought with a price to be adopted in? And I feel like the Lord is saying, there's people in here, believers, non-believers, who say, I wonder what they will think of me if, fill in the blank, that we even, I heard the Lord say that even with baptisms, there's people who were in the room who said, I, I, would, I feel the prompting and the urgency of the Lord, but I wonder what these people would think of me if I get baptized. I wonder what these people would think of me if I dance before the Lord. I wonder what that person beyond these walls would think of me if I go up and pray for them. I fear what may happen. I have a word from the Lord, and the Lord is prompting me to go pray. But I fear man. I fear man, and I fear what they may say. Will we be ones who preach the gospel regardless of what people might think? And I feel the Lord saying, some of you in this Christmas season, this time of reflecting on the birth of Jesus, some of you need to cry out and ask forgiveness for being crippled in disobedience, for caring about your reputation above the reputation of God, for caring about what other people think of you higher than what the Lord Almighty thinks of you. For the approval of man weighs heavier upon you than the approval of God the Father. Our very Lord could have been born through any sort of royal flashy means, but he chose shame and humility. He died to his reputation. His father and his earthly father and mother chose shame and humility. They died to their earthly reputation. They chose the lowly place. Jesus chose the lowly place. He chose the lowly lineage. He died naked and in shame for the sake of us. And we can't even dance before him if he says to put our feet to dancing. And some of you maybe are the opposite. Some of you maybe are constantly dancing or whatever it is for the approvals of man to be seen. And he's saying you need to sit. So I pray a holy heaviness in the room today. I pray we reflect on his birth in the same way we reflect upon his death. It's a story of death to reputation. It's a story of adoption. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I heard the Lord say that some of you are even demonically tormented and it's brought shame. You fear bringing it to the light. You fear freedom because you fear what other people might think. And the Lord's saying to die today. He's saying there's freedom. Freedom comes through death. Cry out to him today, says the Lord. 
Cry out in forgiveness. Cry out in repentance. And I pray 1 Thessalonians 1. God, would the gospel and your story go forth not only in word, not only in reading, but oh Lord, we pray power. We pray the Holy Spirit and we pray full conviction now. Would you just join me in crying out to the Lord? Would you lift up that now? Would you ask the Lord? Would you come? Would your gospel come in power? Would your gospel come in the Holy Spirit and would it come in full conviction right now across this room? I pray to the non-believer. I pray full conviction to those that have not given a yes. I pray no barriers be in the way right now. I pray that they would shoot up out of their seat and cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I give you everything. May nothing stand in the way. I pray you die to your reputation of man. I pray you run to the front. Would you run and cry out to the Lord and accept, receive, and surrender? Would you become an adopted son, grafted in? An adopted daughter, grafted in? May nothing hinder you now. Eternity is at stake. I pray to the believer in here, God. I pray we die to our reputation right now. I pray a holy stirring upon every heart in this room. May you be identifying the thing that we, or things that we care about more than you. Would we cry out, Lord, in this season? Would you set our feet to dancing? Would joy come across the room, Lord? Yes, we thank you for the great faith of Mary. In the great faith of Joseph, we thank you for these faithful servants of the Lord. When the angels approached Mary and they told her of what was to come, she said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. She said, Let it be unto me according to your word. It's so powerful. Let it be unto me according to your word. God, I pray for that surrender. I pray for that sacrifice over every heart in this room. Where do we need to surrender? Where are we holding back? Where can we say, let it be unto me according to your word, Lord, whatever you say. God, bring us low before your throne this morning, God. Holy Spirit, would you speak to each of us in this room? Where do we need to submit to you, God? Where do we need to surrender to you, God? This is not just a sweet story. This is powerful. It's so powerful. God, bring us into understanding of this beautiful story of faith. God, we ask for a desire to know you in the way that Mary and Joseph knew you. She was quick to respond because she had been with you. 
She had been with you, God. She had been spending time with you. She was soaking in the oil. She was dripping in the oil. So when she had the choice to obey or to not obey, she was quick to say, Behold, yes, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. There is no room for unbelief when you're soaking in the oil of the Lord. So God, this morning we come to you fully surrendered God what do we need to lay down so that it can be replaced with our yes and with your love God we bring it to the altar this morning and we sacrifice it we kill it we bring it before you and we say fill us with your love fill us with the oil we want to be dripping with the oil because we've been spending time with you and if we're not spending time with you God create in us a desire to be with you God, it's not just for Sunday mornings. It's not just for Sunday mornings. It's for every day. It's for all all moments, God, creating us a desire to be with you, God. Give us intimacy. Give us a longing for our first love, God. Remind us of who you are. Put yourself on the throne of our hearts, and would you remain in that place? When other things try to crowd you out, God, would you remain on the hearts of your people? Would our eyes be fixed on you? And as we walk out of this building today, God, would we be changed? God, we don't want to leave here unchanged today. So whatever it is that we need to set down, whatever it, need, whatever it is that we need to repent of and bring to you, God, we want to bring it now, God. Fully surrendered before you so that we can be faithful for you, so that we can be obedient, that our yes would be our yes, God, a full, full surrendered yes to you. God, we submit to you this morning, and we thank you for the beautiful example of Mary and Joseph, their great faith. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Would we live our message, the message of the gospel? Would we not just proclaim it with our lips, but would we be living it? God, help us to live the message of who you are as we walk out of this place today. It's not just for Sunday morning. It's not just when we're around our Christian friends. God, it's who we are. It becomes who we are because we're drenched in the oil. God, saturate us with your oil. We want to be dripping with it, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. We are waiting for the promise of the Master. For without it, all our sowing is in vain that the deserts of the earth shall yet be watered with the showers of a mighty latter rain. We have had the early droppings of the springtime, but a mightier flood from heaven shall be outpoured when the Spirit in his fullness shall be given and shall usher, usher in the harvest of the Lord. When he comes, the earth shall tremble at his presence, and the hearts of hardened men shall yield and break. Jew and Gentile bow the knee before the Savior, and the dead and slumbering church at last awake. Faith can see the little cloud on the horizon, 
Hope can almost hear the thunder's mighty sound. For the windows of the heavens shall be opened and the floods be poured upon the world's dry ground. We are living in a day of solemn crisis. We are children of a strange and awful time. We are heirs of all this legacy of promise. We are partners of a heritage sublime. Let us rise to meet our high and holy calling. Let us sow on every mountain, hill, and plain. Let us pray till heaven's windows shall be opened and the Lord shall send the promised latter rain. Lord, we thank you. We have, we have felt those early droppings of the springtime. You have come. You have been faithful. We have seen new growth. But God, if you don't pour out that promised latter rain, the mightier flood from heaven, God, even that new growth will die off. So come in your abundance. Come with your showers. Find us on bended knee. Find us face to the ground. Find us humble. Find us surrendering ourselves to the cross and all that entails so that when your rain comes, we will go out and we'll sow on every mountain, hill, and plain that you would be glorified.